0: Welcome to episode eight hundred and fifty-two of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode eight hundred. In 52 I of I'm Talk because John Newsome and Bevan James, I was big yawn to start the day mate Yeah it was a dramatic start by you, Eight hundred and fifty two. 52 <laughs> Yeah because I couldn't actually see it And then <laughs> I had to, you know it was a bit of a moment, I had a yeah. moment uh, uh, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by uh, Some great
1: nicknames today, Phil the Big Brown Whitehead
0: Ken Rockin' the Free World Young And Ben Mystery Walton Okay this week show we've got some news, we've got a couple of great interviews,
1: who have we got? We are talking to Gordo Byrne, uh, new listeners, you'll have to find out about him. Past listeners, I'm sure you'll always enjoy hearing from Gordo. And Mason Boyles, who's
0: got a novel out. God, coming out, out soon, he's got a novel coming out soon. He's a listener to the show, he's written a novel, and we thought we'd get him on. Okay, not a huge amount of news because we are in the quieter period of the year, but I'm in New Zealand was happening over the weekend. Uh, we had a full and a 70.3 uh, I didn't hear much about the 70.3 results. Oh, We'll go, yeah, we'll go into that in a moment because okay. that was the pro
1: race, but age groupers uh, had to deal with horrendous weather conditions. Uh, it was forewarned, you know, uh, the forecast from 10 days out was rubbish and it often changes in New Zealand. Funny weather systems over here, this did not change and it was miserable. There was a cold swim. Uh, it's a different time of the year than they normally have Ironman. I think the swim was apparently sort of 15 to 16 degrees, which is cold. But for an Ironman, that's pretty cold. Uh, and then during the bike, they had a lot of rain. And during the run, they had a lot of rain. Oh, really? And it got worse as the, the day progressed. Really? There was some, So cold, wet, and windy? Uh, I don't think it was that cold. Just wet? wet. It was just wet. Uh, mm, miserable. And... But there was some. The, the good thing was it looked like there were some patches where it did clear up a bit, and I saw one in particular patch of uh, Nigel Beardsley, one of the listeners of the show. He uh, was riding, and there was a bit of blue sky in the background, just okay. a little bit, so I don't think it rained all cool day, but the majority of it, uh, which makes it the times uh, more noteworthy than ever. Dan Plews uh, took it out. He's got the current record in Hawaii, did eight hours 50. Age group record. Yeah, on that course, it's pretty decent. Swam 55, rode 443, and ran a 303. It was an age group only race. Won by 26 minutes over Jeff McCard and Gregory Bassam. He used to be in Christchurch. Uh, that was a close one. It was only 17 seconds, between second and third. Uh, on the, the girls' side, we had Vanessa Murray take it out in front of Fiona Gallagher and Taryn Ryan. She did a 9.41, which on that course is pretty solid. Did Vanessa Murray win the swim? Sorry? Oh, she did a 53.28. Don't know if she was first out of the swim or not. Um, wasn't a huge field, only four hundred and seven in the full. They did have a half. Now this was a rollover from Ironman. Was supposed to be in March. It got delayed because of COVID or cancelled, postponed, whatever you want to say. Miserable conditions. Um On the upside, though, there would have been a lot of of qualifiers, and there was uh, some some good roll downs on the female side in particular. Oh, because there were lots uh, of slots. There, there lots of slots. Uh,
0: so what's that, Mia yeah. Morrison, on the news? Don't know, but she, she got a slot in the. I think she was. Yeah. Because they did a piece on Mike Riley retiring. Mm. Actually, we should talk about that. Right. Um, it was the last ever Ironman race. Mm. And I think she said he's called me in for 15. Would that be right? I'm pretty sure she's done 15. Yeah, yeah there you go. It probably yeah. was, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's done 15
1: Ironmans uh, and has qualified for Kona. She's been to Kona a couple of times um, on the my camps.
0: Oh, so she hasn't raced Kona before? She hasn't raced. Oh, that's I'm awesome.
1: pretty sure she hasn't done full. I mean, if she's done fifteen, I guess she's eligible for a lottery. I, I guess she doesn't rock. need to, but good on her. So only four hundred athletes competing. Yeah,
0: um, and I'm pretty sure there was
1: maybe seventy five females. So stocks. we won't see this
0: again, will we? So do you think they'll do it again next year? Or the, no, because yeah. no. it was it's yeah, going to be a
1: double a, Ironman in New Zealand. Uh, it's never a massive field, but you know maybe eight hundred to a thousand on a good day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good luck. Good luck to everybody who got kind Kona Slots. So the 70.3 all the, was... All the mysterious spots to, for the guys to the World
0: Champs Destination Unknown. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so then we had the 70.3 race. Uh, what happened there, John? We did,
1: uh, and we had Jack Moody take his first ever win over 70.3 distance. Good athlete. Beat out, beat out uh, Mike Phillips and Simon Cochran, so it was a Kiwi trifecta. We had uh, Swedish Anna Bergsten um beat the Kiwis out on that one, beating Hannah Berry, who used to be H- Hannah Wells, and Rebecca Clark. Now, one thing I'll say about Rebecca Clark is she is a Kiwi. I watched the Kona coverage the other day. I had a trainer session, went up good old Alp de Zwift on, yep. on Zwift and thought that's going to take me yeah, about an hour and a half. I'm going to watch the Kona coverage. Watched it. Generally, thought it was pretty good. It Great. Was, it was very pro-heavy. Um, it was an hour and a half long, Yep. so you got to feel like you knew what was happening in the race. Okay. Of course they had the, 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 the sub stories in there, which were good and they are bloody amazing. How many? Um, if quite a few, but okay. yeah, didn't bother me. If yep. it's, if it's a half hour show and you've got lots of them in there, then you're like, I really want to see the pro race. Yeah. But this was an hour and a half long. Um, so it fitted in really well. Only thing I'll say about it. And this is, is, there's a lot of ads. It's, it's on YouTube and there's a lot of the old pop-up YouTube oh, ads okay. and then you've got the inserted ads. So there was a lot of that. But if you're on the trainer, it's not that big a deal. It's free, not complaining. Yep. In general, I thought the coverage was great and it gave you a really good picture of what the race was all about. However, coming out of the swim and the females race, there was a, a group that were behind Lucy Charles and they called Rebecca Clark an Australian. Oh, really? Like, Rebecca Clark from Australia. I was like, oh, come on, do your homework on that one, people. One job. So that was on the weekend. Also at uh, 70.3 Bahrain, Vincent Louis has had a very productive few weeks because he raced in Abu Dhabi at the World Triathlon Series finale, uh, helping his teammate and still had a reasonable finish himself. Then he popped over and he did Challenge... Daytona and won that and then a few days later he's over in um, Bahrain winning 70.3. Quite a few of the Bahrain endurance people were there doing teams. It was Brownlee and um, Christian Blumenfeld I think he ran a 108 half Jeez. marathon as part of a team. And Fredino was there. Uh so that was pretty amazing Well we look at Interestingly
0: Are we seeing him moving into Like obviously He'll probably hang around For the Olympics But you know We are seeing you know, Up until last year He, he did He did the Indian Wells mm-hmm. In December last year And before that He had never really Well based on what I'm seeing On the PTO website Done 70.3s befores But um, Yeah Just interestingly He's kind of He's making a transition Isn't he
1: Yes, he but he's, he'll definitely want to be around for Paris, as you said. Yeah. he'll he'll dabble in it maybe end of season, start a season. Um, but he'll want to make Paris, and you know he's had a very injury interrupted last one to two years really. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get back to his, the top of his game, if he's going to be competitive. He's always there after the swim, um, you know, and hopefully getting a breakaway on the bike, and that's probably what it will take for him. And if he does that, um, then we'll see. Well, like like he did in. Uh, in Bermuda, you know, he's able to win races from the front we'll see him go long, like Uh, 70.3, but long. Yeah, I'm sure, sure we probably will. And how will he go? Uh, He'll do okay, I think. Yeah, Yeah. it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be one that I go, because he's, I'm sure he's very strong on the bike, but we haven't necessarily seen that in terms of 70.3 so far. Yes, he's won a few, but there haven't been those massively dominating performances like you see when Brownlee sort of came onto the scene. He was just absolutely annihilated everybody. Paris is when it's 26? 2024. Four. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's 2024. Yeah, okay.
0: B- because we had Tokyo year Yeah. late, essentially. So he's going to be 35-ish, maybe mm. 36 at the end of that. So he won't have It'll a long... ask. Yeah, he yeah. will be a little ask. Uh,
1: on the female side over there, we had Marjolene Perrier take it out in 405.53. And... 405, 53, uh, and she, Great, she won, but um, good old Holly Lawrence unfortunately got led off the course and did an extra oh 4K.
2: No. <laughs> she was riding through traffic and all this sort of oh stuff. Oh, no. So, a boot.
1: to her credit, I'm pretty sure she carried on and did finish because I did initially see the results and thought, I mean, that's a bit shit, I would have expected you to crush that field. Um, but I'm pretty sure she did carry on. Uh, she got fourth place and, yeah, probably would have run, you'd think maybe a little bit harder if she'd... Uh, yeah. the front of the race and there's was also Challenge Brazil on Pamela Oliveira took that out as did André Lopez.
0: Okay, we had the announcement that the Super League Arena games are going to be happening again. We've got a few things happening for Super League. So first of all, they've got the Paralympics. Paralympics Sports, oh, Sports Stadium in Canada on the 25th of February. Then on the 12th of March, they're going to be in Switzerland. Then the 25th of March, they're going to be in Singapore. And then on the 8th of February, uh, April UK so two get, weeks apart so it's yeah. going to be boom 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 two weeks
1: apart good pre-season training um, how serious athletes are going to take this don't know
0: I like the format I like what it's all about it's an interesting watch yeah it's an interesting watch but I kind of want and it didn't get crowds like when they did in the UK which I think was the final it had a crowd but it wasn't sold out yeah,
1: and likewise in Germany it wasn't massive and I yeah. think the potential for this but you got to you're going to have if they want the crowd to turn up you're going to have Ten
0: best athletes in the world turning up. Or I don't know, ten like, or twenty. It, like it's, it's like the the, the stadium, the, from my recollection, the stadium that they had in it was basically like an Olympic pool with a stadium. Mm. So it wasn't like twenty thousand people. Mm. You know, it was probably what three thousand people stadium. Yeah. So it's interesting, even though, and they had a couple of rock stars. Like I mm. think Hayden Wilde did them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's interesting they couldn't fill that out for triathlon. in the UK mm. with you know because mm. UK has got Massa. a pretty good triathlon community. Mm. You know, so maybe it's not doing a good job of letting the community know. Because yeah. um, sure as hell, Garth. Yeah, was yeah. Like I was in Christchurch, in, anywhere within Kiwi of here, I'd go and
1: do it. And like, even if it was if Super League race came to New Zealand, it was in the North Island. If everybody was there,
0: you know, I'd probably make the effort yeah. to go up and and watch that. Yeah. So so interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a good course. So uh, now, what's the name of the guy? Um, the
1: Mark fel- Jones. Yeah. Mark
0: Jones has broken the Guinness Book World Records of doing twenty-two Olympic triathlons. Over a seven-day period, um, he was doing it to for to achieve the fight against knife crime. Unfortunately, he had a family member killed from a knife crime, which is horrific. And, and he was present. So his brother um, got mm. stabbed to death,
1: and Mark, who was present at the attack, uh, has had to suffer through, obviously, mental health problems you know
0: because of that. I was on YouTube. Oh no, I was on Reddit a while ago, and, and, and there was one of those not-safe-for-works, and I just clicked on it, and I was someone getting... Just killed with a knife, and I was was like, "Why did I click on that?" Um, But it's just so quickly could happen because it was literally some guys in the mall being dickheads. Mm. And one guy hit the knife, and then the other guy got walked to him aggressively, and the guy Mm. just and then got him in the neck, Mm. and came over and just think, "Stay away from situations like that." So Mark raised uh, the goal of raising a couple of
1: thousand pounds, and he he raised forty five thousand pounds. So. Good on him. Um, so yeah, the world, so that makes the current world record doing tw- is 22 standard distance triathlons in seven days. So you're looking at basically three a day and four four somewhere along the way, which... You I think would, that record I, be broken? Yeah, I would have thought, uh, mm. and this is not taking away from this no. effort whatsoever, because this is more of an effort, you yeah, know, for fundraising, it's just, just awesome. I would have thought it would be more than that. Yeah. Um. So if you want to go break that record... Because if you did Dickyman... In a triathlon format, yeah,
0: you'd break it easily. Yeah,
1: but you have to your when you're doing Guinness Book of World Record things. They're pretty be Legit, yeah. You've got to have all the supervisors. You've got to tick all the boxes. So Mark did that. Any anyway,
0: raise, amazing amount of money. Good on him. When you do the Guinness Book of World Records, how much you have to pay? Because mm. if let's say you've got to get someone out there mm. to, surely you're funding that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so it'd be fascinating to know what's the cost of actually try and get well there you go
1: bevan find find a record that you could do pretty cool as a kid remember the guinness book of World records was the best book ever here's a record for you to go and break it's happening for me right now i tell you you're basically doing a half more or less a between a half iron man and an iron man how many reckon you could do in a week i think i could do Do that um yeah would you be a party pooper
0: if you did it next week (laughs)
1: yeah
0: i know awesome well done to him i could see andrew winter did iron man new zealand Nice, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just on Facebook getting ready for this week's discussion, which is this week's discussion is what is your dinner the night before a race? It was a popular one. Matthew Bin said, a "Bit of pizza, action." Do you know I love a pizza?
1: Do you love pizza? I love a bit of pizza. Oh. Even crap pizza I like. Yeah, pizza. Just pizza. Bob. Some people got. Rant. Bob Davidson says nothing. Takes too long to digest.
0: Oh, that's being anal. Good old. Um,
1: sorry, someone's Facebooking me. Yeah, when I was saying crappy pizza, Sam Brown says uh, low grade frozen pizza cooked in the oven and water. Yeah, but you, the problem with that it. is
0: you can burn the crust quickly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fine line between two hard crusts and, and the right size crust softness. Yeah. Um, Tim Swanson's got burger, fries, and a beer. Oh, okay. And then uh, Christine McKinley's got. That's my post-race man of choice. <laughs> I was uh, organising a race on Sunday
1: and I uh, setting up on Saturday and ended up staying the Saturday night at the race venue and there was a guy who was racing and he You stayed was, at the venue? Yeah, I just crashed. I was like, I wasn't... Where did you sleep? In a tent. <laughs> That's <laughs> sensation <laughs> Some people were slightly concerned for my safety and in hindsight, I started to be slightly concerned. Why? Going, oh, just to keep an eye on things so you yeah. don't get dip, dipshits coming and um, yeah. smashing everything Who was out. it? Uh, out in Lake Ruhr, it's a sort of a s- semi secure area. The <laughs> gates gates were locked and stuff, but there was one gate, so you could have pedestrian access. It's a great, it was a, it was a great venue for a race. Um, but what was my point? Oh, there was a guy out there with his. Um, I turned up with Burger King to have my. Not Burger King. Burger Fuel as my oh, dinner. Because yep, yep. I Fuel, But it's like dropping 25, 30 bucks. Oh, yeah, just for a burger and fries. Yeah. It's quality, though. Yeah. Uh, what did I have? The bacon, uh, at the roadhouse? I think it was the roadhouse.
0: 25, 30 for a takeaway burger. They're at a restaurant. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, but takeaway—it
0: like, oh, hurts. Ah, yeah, good though.
1: Yeah, so good. I rocked up with this, and that was going to be my dinner. And there's this fella who was doing the race next year, and he turned up with his as well, and he was there with his girlfriend as well, and they uh, had a glass of wine. Wait, so you had a romantic date with the? They yeah, came up and you I, you I didn't. No, I didn't gate crash it. <laughs> they were sitting there. Having he proposed up. to her in your next her. <laughs> yeah. How you enjoying that burger? Uh, <laughs> but he, had, they had a glass of wine and everything. I just came over to him and said. Is this a good pre-race meal? (laughs) And he said, yeah, it's good, good. I said, what about the wine? He goes, no, that's that's not for me. That's not for me. Of course Um, not. But a few people are on here saying they're having wines. Matt Corbett said pasta
0: and a beer. Christopher Breen says vegetable sushi rolls. It's interesting that not many people choose healthy. Yeah, he's got pizza and beer, maybe some hot chips and some ice cream and maybe another beer. Mm -hmm. But mostly another beer.
1: Mark Craigs, there used to be uh, fish and chips, now it's rice mushroom risotto with either chicken or bacon in it,
0: and a salad. Good old Tim Martin, he's got two nights out, mainly protein and a steak, Uh, like a steak with potato the night before, pasta and a beer. A Beer is very popular. Pizza
1: is very popular. Ronnie Campbell, Stephen Hadley, Paul Ryan all have pizza. George Samuel, tried and tested, spag bowl with garlic bread and cheese. Love a good
0: Bit of garlic bread. Good old hot chick, Kylie Cox, says chicken in some variety, beer, pizza or pasta. Uh, Jared Crump
1: says says pepperoni pizza as well. Michael Kennedy, a gel, three gels (laughs) and two for dessert. Uh, Kevin Hunt, a can of creamed rice around lunchtime, dinner is whatever is available. And last one I'll do be Lucy Francis, no veg, only chicken or juicy steak and chips. I'm going to say, not many people go for healthy options. No Oh Zani Morrison We'll do one more Because she raced at the weekend Chicken, yep. rice Small amount of vegetables And ice cream What were yours? Uh, it's usually I used to do A chicken pesto pasta Oh yeah So pasta Nice bit of chicken Some mushrooms in there Maybe a green pepper capsicum Depending on where you live In the world And some good quality uh, Pesto And a little bit of sour cream In there as well
0: Mm. Mine was kind of Whatever was there mm. You know Someone would cook for me And i just eat it mm. But Going back to the shit food you can eat, Mm. what's your favourite shit food? Um. Not, Not you're going out and you're getting like a nice meal, like as in like, you know... Chip food.
1: Someone just mentioned gar- the garlic bread in there. No, no, it's not a meal in itself. I no. oh, love garlic, yeah, garlic bread. You got to get the the Mama's one from the supermarket oh, over really? here, and that's got sesame seeds on top, and it's got you an do ex- need sesame seeds. It's got an exorbitant amount of garlic butter. Garlic bread without a massive amount of oh, butter no. just dripping off is just not. like yeah, you you're got to squeeze it go oh, through your fingers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly.
0: garlic bread. We had some. Not for last, it was quality. I, I'm I'm pretty basic. Pizza, burger. Joe and I never do takeaways. We don't even do like Uber Eats because my wife's a good cook and it costs a lot of money to do that kind uh, of crap.
1: I refuse to get Uber Eats. Yeah, we
0: did it. We, what we did is we did do it when they gave you a free month. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show them who's boss. <laughs> and then we got rid of it. But um, but we, if we ever get takeaways, we'll get fish and chips. Mm. But my problem is. I go, hot dog, fish, donut, chips. Oh, god. It's a big meal.
1: That is a big meal. It's a big meal. Mm. So it's, you
0: can't do it often because it's not healthy at all.
1: Thai takeaways is always great. Yeah, Love but it's not healthy.
0: I mean, it's healthy-ish. Yeah. You know, that's a good one. Okay, this week's discussion, because John hadn't done one, so I wrote down, what is the best part of training through the holiday season? You know, for us in the Southern Hemisphere, we're tending to head into our holiday period. We tend to be more time rich. So what is the benefit or the best part of doing your training in the time of year where you've got more time to do your training. So that's this week's discussion. And now we're going to talk about... Oh, actually, just before we do this, Mike Riley. Riley. So mm-hmm. he, he's officially retired. Mm-hmm. He's done Ironman New Zealand, was, which is interesting. He chose this as the last race. Mm-hmm. It might have just been because it was at the end of the year. But um, he was... Came from, to Ironman New
1: Zealand pretty early on his he, career. He, he did a lot of races around the, not, a lot of races around the world, most of the American ones and yeah. I mean obviously Hawaii, but he always came out to Ironman yeah, New Zealand, he did, so didn't I think he? it had a special part, place in his heart and yeah, it's been a fantastic career. This guys sort of coming through like, love Mike Riley, and not, you know, when we did the Legends interview with him, you should go back and maybe we'll, maybe we'll, that on over christmas christmas time um it's a great interview and you you realize it's not just a case of rocking up and calling people's names oh man he did
0: the prep he went next level Um, and i I do i do that kind of work Mm. i never do that level (laughs) yeah
1: so so that was great um there's lots of other guys coming through now you know paul k and a
0: bunch of others so you know there's people there to to fill his boots but Um, it definitely you know, when we think about the the the, the life of our sport, mm. we you know we've had a few deaths in the last kind of decade, mm. where some of those pioneers of the sport are moving on. Yeah. Um, who was the guy who did the tech, Who died in the last eighteen months? Who did the bike wheels and? Head Steve. Yeah. Hedge. Steve Head and yep. and um, who was the guy? The commentator guy from Canada. Um, He's still around. No, no, he passed away, didn't he? Uh, Not King. The other guy. Steve King. No, the other guy we interviewed. Very
1: Shepley. No, he's still around.
0: He did the magazines as well. Oh, yeah. Mike Plant. Yeah, I Mike Plant he passed yeah. away. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're kinda of seeing because our sport's such a young sport in the big scheme of things, we're seeing the ending of these careers. And, and Mike's not passed away, obviously, but man, what an icon. should put that Mike Plant interview on and that was really good as well. Yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? Mm. Well there you go, there there you go. there's there that Christmas. <laughs> so because the thing is is um you know, if you went to an Ironman race and Riley said your name, it did mean a bit more. Mm. You know, for a lot of people, they wanted to hear him say, you are an Ironman. You Man. are an Ironman. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, thanks, Mike, for everything you've done for our sport, because, mm. you know, you're a bloody legend. Okay, we've got a couple of interviews.
1: We have. First up is going to be Gord Byrne, and then followed on by Mason Bowles. Oh, we're going to go back to back. We're not going to we do going it. going back to back. Okay, here we go. Righty-ho team, Um, we've got, uh, for a lot of people, uh, one of our crowd favourites from yesteryear, Gordo Burn on today. Um, Yeah, for a lot of you new listeners, you may not uh, know much too much about him, but for the guys who've been around for quite a few years, you'll know that uh, Gordo was a past pro athlete, but he came from being a mid-pack age grouper to being a very good pro with uh, several podiums on the Ironman circuit. Second Ironman New Zealand, didn't he? Yeah, and Ironman Canada. Uh, Author of the book Going Long long uh, co-founder of epic camp with scott molina and in his day he had a big fan base that loved following his blog that uh, gordo world and i should have taken a trademark on that because that was a name that i suggested to him back in hong kong um but he's back in business by the sound of it so
0: welcome back to the show gordo thanks guys good to be back gordo it's would still up if you if you look it up it's still going i see or oh, is it? Is this, is this? Or is it? Or is it not? You, oh no! Uh, it's,
2: someone's taking a... Like a female fitness website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, I had somebody take over one of my websites and turn it into a porn site. Okay. So that, <laughs> well, they, people can find me at Feel the Burn. That's what I'm using now yeah. uh, with a Y. Uh, I'm on Twitter and YouTube, and I got a Substack. Yeah. So.
1: Excellent. So, so rumor, rumor has it you're, you're on the comeback. I've I've seen you doing some easy easy riding on Zwift. Well, I haven't seen many, but of the ones that I have seen, um, they've been pretty crazy. So, so is is the rumor true? And are you on the comeback?
2: Well, I uh, you know my kids are growing up, so my youngest is ten now, so my home life is not as crazy as it used to be, and I really missed. Being in shape. And what I mean by that is the benefit that metabolic fitness gives our larger life in terms of the energy that we have uh, to do fun things with our spouses and with our kids. And it became clear to me that my kids were going to be kicking my butt in pretty short order if I didn't make an effort to get myself back into endurance shape so that was kind of the the impetus to get back in shape and then you know the best way to get in shape is triathlon training it's it's really a whole body fitness and because you're using three different modes of exercise you can get a lot more volume in Uh, and so I just I just came back to swim bike run over the summer and I've really been enjoying it with, with, you know, I'm, I'm sure you kept active,
0: and I'm sure you kept a decent base fitness, you know, since moving away from that life you had.
2: Or, or had you not? Had you kind of fallen away? No, I wasn't out of shape. I mean, and, and I presented uh, very fit if you were looking at me. But if you actually dug into my training, if 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 uh, Bev, if if I said that I was training like a CrossFitter, do you know what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So power oriented. Lots of work capacity training, yeah. uh, sandbag work, uh, relatively high lactate all the time, but not necessarily high heart rate.
0: Yeah.
2: And what that does is it changes your body in very positive ways. You end up looking kind of like a firefighter. Yeah. And, you know, Monica like that, my wife. But it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it It crushes your, your, um, your metabolic fitness. So your your ability to go long and your ability to use fat for fuel, all that type of work works against the benefits that you get from your endurance training and your triathlon training. And so what it left me, it left me very, I mean, in exercise physiology terms, it left me very glycolytic. I could really get my lactate up high and quickly and I could sustain high lactate levels. So it was great for skiing, downhill skiing, skiing bumps and stuff but I would get really tired on long hikes and any, anything that went beyond, I mean, so I was, I was optimized for like five to eight minute efforts, but I wasn't that great once the session went beyond two hours. And I'm talking even easy hiking with my son. What was it yeah. like um, ego-wise?
0: Because, you know, you being such a great endurance athlete and obviously you're still fit, but to not be able to do what you probably consider pretty basic exercise. What was it like on a kind of an ego level?
2: So, you know, I went through all that. I went through the ego side and the identity side um, maybe 11 years ago yeah. when I decided to step away from, uh, you know, like fast amateur racing. So when I was at the top of the 40 to 44, and you really have to leave that identity behind if you want to ab- embrace the identity of being a parent, being a good spouse within a marriage you kind of have to, you got to make choices. And so I went through that 10 plus years ago. So it wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, having, having my 11 year old son kicking my butt on uh, a hike is, uh was okay. You, you know, the thing is you can hang. I mean, if you know, it's just how I felt on the inside. I mean, it wasn't like my kids were dropping me. I was like, I, but I was used to dominating in a situation like that. And I had shifted from dominating to surviving. And I didn't like what that implied for where I was going to be, particularly in my late 50s, if I didn't get my act together, get get some stamina back in.
1: So what what are you being cautious about? You know, I know you will have thought a lot about the comeback and you'll probably be taking quite a, a scientific approach to it. But, you know, um, what are you being cautious about, especially given the current environment with COVID and all that sort of stuff? So what, what, is, what, is, what does a week look like for you and what are you being cautious about? Okay,
2: so uh so I, I started at the end of april so i've been kind of at it for seven months and when i started all you got you got to remember all my memories are not from when i started in my 20s my memories are when i stepped back in my 40s mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people find that your your mind will anchor on your best results your best training so i, I I, I, you know, in my mind, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll grad- gradually ramp up to 20 hours a week and I'll be good and I'll be crushing in a year or so. And it's totally not the case. So, what happened is the first three months made a lot of mistakes. I, I think the key mistakes I made was I thought I was going easy, but I wasn't. In other words, all my breakpoints, my fitness breakpoints, my physiological breakpoints had shifted downwards. And to put that in practical terms, my lactate would start going up at a heart rate of about 105, Mm -hmm. which is very low. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was training easy in my, you know, kind of 120 to 130 zone. But when I actually got my lactate kit out and started looking at it scientifically, I realized that almost all my endurance training for the last five years had been tempo or threshold training. So it was all in the heavy domain. So that was why I wasn't, I, I was having trouble with my longer days. I wasn't training my mitochondria. I wasn't training those moderate, um, the moderate domain. And I didn't realize it because I never really had a look at it using lactate or, or a card. So that was the first thing I realized, but it took me all summer to realize that. So while I'm, while I'm realizing that it's really strange that I'm getting so tired from going so easy. I was also bringing my running back. Now, I had tried to start running again twice uh, when I was, uh, you know, when I took this long kind of break from structured training. Both times ended up in disaster. So this time I made some changes. So the key changes I've made, I don't run on back-to-back days. I do 10 minutes of mobility work every single day and I never Run through tightness. As soon as I start to lock up, I stop. Now those three changes made a big difference, um, and I've just been very, very patient bringing the running back. And here we are. I started my first run was July first, and here we are towards the end of the year, and I'm just starting to see the benefits of you know that patient approach coming through. But nothing fast um i did a little bit of sprinting a little bit of bounding but i wasn't tolerating it much so i backed all that off tried to get my calves and hamstrings settled and now i'm thinking maybe bring a bit back
1: it's funny you say calves and hamstrings it's like the the go-to for for me and for most athletes i work with it's like there's two areas you got to focus on it's calves and hamstrings um what what you know you you've said you you know can i offer
2: can i offer the listeners something on that So there's all kinds of stuff people will tell you to do for calves and hamstrings. And I found the simplest thing is the most effective. So you get yourself on one of those, uh, hamstring curl things where you lie down, facing down, you go up on two with a slow lower on each side and that eccentric load, not done heavy. You just do it till you feel it. And it really helps. So when I'm at the pool, I do the eccentric. And then same thing with the seated calf. You just sit down up on two, lower slowly on one. Because I think what's happening, certainly what was happening with me, I wasn't weak, but I didn't have the ability to use the strength I had. And those eccentrics really wake up all the muscle fibers and teach them how to work together. It's been very effective for me. I do it every week for yeah, there's an extra piece of training. I do every week is like that,
0: those two exercises. Yeah. Yep. Great minds think alike. Eh? Yeah.
1: Uh, and uh, I assume, you know, you mentioned those exercises, but strength is, you know, giving you an, an aging athlete and we all are in that boat. Um, is that a pretty important part to your week?
2: So that's, that's interesting. So I, there's a book out called training for the uphill athlete, and it's not designed for triathlon. It's for, uh, it's a great read. If, if anybody listening can get a copy of it, I recommend it. Now, what it has in there is a strength assessment chapter. And I'm 53 and I did the strength assessment chapter and I, I completely crushed it. So upper body, lower body. So my, having spent the pandemic chucking sandbags and uh, hitting the steel, my strength is actually a really strong right now. So I have not been doing a lot of strength because I came. I'm coming to endurance with actually an abundance of strength relative to my competition. Now, what I am going to do, because I do know that if you don't lift for seven years and you're a 60 year old, it's going to hold you back. Mm-hmm. So, what I am going to do is in January I'm going to do a, a kind of get in touch with my strength block, not not go big, but just bring some bring it back go a little bit heavier and up that work. But that's not for my current position. That's more for protecting a strength going forward. And so what I would say to people listening is two things. I'd say, if you want to be strong, you want to be strong for what? So go into your strength training, understanding what you want to improve. And then the second thing is strength training is also about protecting the future and protecting your future capacity because the endurance training that we do can break us down and if we're slowly whittling away that lean body mass year after year ultimately it's going to impair our performance in regards to that what, what about body composition are,
0: are you noticing that's changing and your desire result that you're looking for as you're moving back to being
2: an endurance because I, I mentioned your ah. muscle mass and so on yeah so that's so that, com- that still comes up all the time. I made the classic mistake. I, I go back to endurance training and I start pouring liquid calories down my throat all the time. Okay. And so I'm doing all this, I'm doing all this training and I'm starting to get fat and, and, and I'm looking in and I, I, I didn't use to weigh myself. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, am I imagining this? Cause you know, absolutely. I could imagine something like that. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit focused on my body comp and I'm like, well, let's get a scale and find out. So I get one of those digital scales and um, I'm like, yeah, I'm gaining weight. I've like doubled doubled my training volume and I'm gaining weight because I'm pouring sugar down my throat. And then years ago, I did a nutrition podcast with you guys, um, one of my favorites. And I, I go back and I listen to that. And I kind of have an aha moment. Well, you can't just pour sugar down your throat the whole time. So I ditched all the sports nutrition on my short and medium sessions, went back to just water real food. And it's that straightened itself out uh, pretty quick. So that was one mistake. And then in terms of body composition, um, I've always found that if you do the nutrition, sorry, do the work, you know, words, the training and you get your nutrition, right. And by right, I mean, focused on real food, then your body's going to find its own way. You don't need to force it to look a certain way or to change a certain way it's just going to change naturally from the demand that you're putting on it from the swim bike run so that's been my approach and you know these changes take months and months and they build on each other year in year out but you know now that now that I've stopped pouring sugar down my throat all the time we're getting to the end of the year and yeah my body composition is starting to shift and I think particularly from bringing the swimming back, it has a lot of positive effects around your shoulders, your back, your upper pec area mm-hmm. that I'm starting to see come back that I really missed. Um, you know, when I was when I was not doing the swim, bike, run, which is interesting because you would have thought with the
0: CrossFit type of training that would have been something that would have been you know accentuated.
2: Yeah, well, it kind of made me thick and, and it like built up my arms. Yeah, and and my my core strength. You know, from doing get ups and stuff with a 50 pound or, you know, or a 30 kilo sandbag on your shoulder. I mean, that kind of stuff makes you very strong uh, in kind of moving around the world sense, but it doesn't make you look all that fit. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So it's been, yeah, it's been a
1: change. Um, so, so you mentioned one of your, your goals is obviously to you know, be able to keep up with the kids. And um, unfortunately, I've uh, fallen off that bandwagon with um, my son now getting quicker than me. Uh, do you have a, you know, you often work in five year cycles, it seems. Um, does anybody, <laughs> any, anybody in the 50 to 54 year old age group need to be worried about you actually making a return to competition? Or is this more of a, um, a personal fitness endeavour?
2: Well, nobody in the fifty to fifty-four needs to worry because on January first, I'm in the fifty-five to <laughs> ah, fifty-nine. That's time to go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, here's here's something that's different. Strava, yeah, it's it's a it's a gold mine of information. Mm. You can you can look at the best athletes in the world, elite, age grouper, veteran. And it's all there. They're laying it all out. You can click. You can have a look at their heart rate, their power, their paces. So in terms of what it's going to take, it's all available. You can have a look. And, uh, you know, I'm still following my friends that are uh, still racing at a high level. And so I can kind of break it down and have a look at it. And that's part of the reason why why it was fun for me. Because I I look at it. I look how everybody's training. And I, I was like, you know what? I think I can do that better uh and have a shot at being competitive with them so that's sort of where i'm at i you know my running was was so stop and go through the summer in a sense i always felt like i was managing an injury i was like geez i don't even know if i could finish a race but but that settled down i i, I figured out the whole calf and hamstring thing so now i'm sort of working towards it but what would i like to do yeah i'd like to come back and there's a couple races that i never did strike me as uh, fun and come back and do those races uh and then also uh, you know otilo is a goal because i think i'd be able to get through that about the time my son is old enough to get through it too so we could do it as a feel the burn team him and me kind of as yeah. a before he before he heads off as an adult right. it'd be a nice way a nice thing to do together
1: Team Newsom against Team Burn, <laughs> Thomas. He'll light that one up, I
0: tell you. We're,
1: We're gonna be ready, boy.
2: <laughs> um, no,
0: just, just on the races—is is iron distance, the goal, or is it just kind of more shorter stuff?
2: You know, honestly, I just, I just, just to be able to get my health back, to enjoy the training—that's the win. Okay. I, I think you know, you know, part of the reason why I left racing. And this is this. Actually, there's somebody listening to this right right now is probably wondering, is it worth it? Like, is is it worth all the time that I'm putting in when I have a young family and a spouse that wants to hang out with me? So I got to the point in my early 40s where I was like, it wasn't worth it. I I was like, you know what? I'm going to back off. I, I need some more time to To be the kind of father I want to be, and I'm just I'm just going to back off, and I'm going to take that time and put it into my family instead of putting it into trying to win races and stuff. Mm. And and so I need to remember that because I'm competitive by nature, and so I don't want to get all wrapped up in you know trying to trying to win races as a 50 or 60 year old, and then give up all the all the gains that I've made in the rest of my life over the last 10 years. But what I would like to do is come back and demonstrate that it is possible to get back to a high level if you train appropriately. Um, I think that would be a useful thing to do for me and for other people. And plus, it's a great story to write about. And as Johnny knows, I love writing about, you know, what's going on in my life and sharing that with people.
1: Um, Yeah, and you've probably done a bit of um, reflecting over the last 10 years on things that worked really, really well for you when you did get to a very high level. Um, From from an age-grouper's perspective, when you look back on your career, was there particular things that you think worked really, really well and particular things that you look back and go, I was a dumbass doing that? I guess more from an age-grouper's perspective rather than, you know, you were on the edge all the time trying to make it as a pro. But yeah, what what were some of the the key things you reflected on that, that were good and bad?
2: Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk a bit about that. First thing, age groupers don't understand how much stress they're under. So you do not, anybody listening to this probably does not realize how much life stress they have going on. So one of the tools that I use now that is widely available is heart rate variability. And it doesn't care, your heart rate variability does not care about the story you tell it or whether you think you can handle getting really tired or going hard. It just kicks out a number and tells you how stressed it's a view. It's a look into your stress situation. So that would be one thing is that I use now that I didn't use when I was a top age grouper, heart rate variability. I think the the other thing is. As an age grouper, uh, your body doesn't care about the time you have available to train and what i mean by that is the most common mistake i see is people going harder because they feel like that compensates for less volume it's it's the mistake i made this summer it doesn't work you just end up you you, you're not going to develop your endurance you're not going to develop metabolically you won't develop your mitochondria your ability to use fat for fuel, if you're constantly doing tempo workouts. You will get really fit, but you're not gonna get fit in a long course, in a long distance sense. And you're gonna underperform all your long races if that's your approach. So those would be kind of the two things um, that I would say uh, for amateurs. The the other thing is, you know, know, uh, take a look around, like if you have ambitious goals, Look very carefully at the lives of the people who are achieving those goals that you set out for yourself and ask yourself, is is that the life I want for me? In other words, will I win? If if I win the race, if I get to this performance and I'm surrounded by all these other people at this level, are they living the way I want to live? Because as an amateur, you got a lot of different choices in your life where you're going to focus and where you're going to put the time. The answer for me when I was 42 was no, not really. And that's why I wanted to step back, create the life first, and then come back to triathlon on on my own terms, uh, in terms of my time commitment and really my energy commitment. Because as an aging athlete, once you go past 45, it's not so much a time choice. It it becomes more and more an energy choice. Where am I going to put my energy that I have? And how am I going to balance my energy? Because as we age, we have less energy to allocate to our different interests in our lives. Excellent. Although, interestingly,
0: as well, as you
2: age, as your kids
0: move on, you start to get more energy back too, don't you? Or at least time.
2: <laughs> yes, and that. But that's always been that's always been the case. We found, you know, when we were putting on the training camps. And the camps that you put on, I imagine all the people that come to your camps are amazed at how much they can do when they pull themselves out of their Mm. current, out of their life environment. The training camp effect, you just drop that life stress and it's like, wow, I can do double, triple the training uh, that I can normally do in my life. And that you're right, right. it'll come back. uh, But, you know, by the time I really, for me, the thing that wipes me out is noise. And if, if you've got high-energy kids, they're not quiet. I mean, you know, we've, <laughs> we What A joke between Monica and me is that, you know, quiet kids don't break swim league records, you know? It's the loud kids that are breaking records. And it's just the way it is. There's noise in my house. So I got to manage how much of that I expose myself to because, you know, you want to show your best side to your kids. You don't want to (laughs) be you don't want to be fried and snapping at everybody. I mean, that's not good for anybody.
1: Uh, people be wondering what you're you're up to these days, or what you, you know, obviously parenting has, has been pretty full on. Um, but you know, you came from a very successful venture capital background, and then uh, and then obviously you had the the pro life there for for a while, and you had um, endurance corner and and doing coaching. So, what, what do you do with yourself these days other than um,
2: parenting and uh, getting back into a groove? So, uh, I think the the two th- things that are most relevant to anybody listening to us right now. Uh, The first is my family and finance writing is at a Substack called truewealth.substack.com. And I'm building that out. And so if you're interested in that stuff, you can find it there. And then my project for 2023 is to write a book online called Endurance Essentials. And it's gonna be, it's not focused on Ironman, it's really focused more generally on the lessons I learned from being in the endurance space uh, over the last 25 years. And I'm going to build that at feeltheburn.substack.com. And that's burn with a Y. And what I'm going to do is build it out digitally and the nice thing and basically publish it myself. And so I can say what I want and I can share all the stories uh, from over the years, uh, my mentors and my training partners. And I think it'll be an interesting project for people. And then the idea is to build a community there and we interact with each other. And in effect, my readers help me create uh, the book over the year. And then, then I go through the publishing part uh, with getting an editor and, and putting the paper book together and then ultimately uh, selling it.
1: Nice. Very good. Evan, you got anything else there? Um, no, it's good. To be, it's, fun, it's fun to have you back in the game, would I? So we'll... Um... We we'll look forward to seeing where this where this takes you and uh, and any events you might pop up. And uh, guys, if you do like following interesting stuff, Gordo's always got a good article. I'm not on Twitter, but if uh, I'm sure you share some good stuff on there as well. So we, we look forward to the comeback.
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're a legend, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Okay, team, um, we've got another interview here with a listener of the show, Mason Boyles. Um, slash author. author. Slash author, who's written a book. And uh, to be honest, we haven't read the book yet. We're going to find out about what it's all about. It's a, it's a fiction story, but Mason's a past athlete himself, and we're going to find out more about him and about his book. So hmm. welcome along, Mason. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm uh, Glad to be here. <laughs> Now, just before we started recording, um, I, I said to you, you know, I think you you, you listened to the show and um, you started telling us about um, about how that all came about. So maybe just uh, recollect that.
3: Oh, sure. Yeah, um, I started racing pretty young. I was probably like 11 when I did my first try and my dad was also racing. Um, I grew up, uh, the both of us, he picked me up early from school and we drive to weekend races and so... Uh, we started listening to IM talk and back then it was still Iron Man talk um, <laughs> <Wow>. uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember those days, but I do. Yeah, um, yeah. and so I sent him in uh, we would listen you know every weekend I'd listen on long rides on the trainer and uh, yeah I sent him in for age grouper of the week. I think he'd done uh, it was' the first time he went under 10. Uh, it was actually at the Great Floridian I think which is not yeah. an easy race to go under 10. It's a super hilly course. Even though it's in Florida, people don't think of Florida as hilly, but it is. And so I sent him in for that and some other stuff he was doing then and you guys uh, picked him out for it. So Yeah, I think yeah. I remember that vaguely. It was it was a long time ago, but I do do recall that. So um I understand
1: you were, you're a pretty competitive athlete and um, you know fairly focused yourself as you know, you talked about from eleven years old there, but did you did, did you get, get into it pretty pretty big time?
3: Uh, I thought, I thought I did, uh, you know, back when I was a teenager, I was very committed and serious. Um, I did, I did pretty well nationally with the USAT junior stuff. Um, I think I came second at duathlon Nats. I might've won it one year. um, And I won like the age group, my age group at sprint nationals, but nobody was really competing that young. I think I was 13 that year. So under 15s at that time, you know, Fifteen years ago, that wasn't it. Wasn't as competitive as it is these days. Uh, and then I started getting my ass kicked by a guy you might remember, uh, Lucas Vizbikas. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Ben canoe Yeah, yeah. And so, uh what to Lucas? Because kind of he was all, he was all the talk for a moment. He wasn't had a he? Big, big crash, didn't oh, he? Did he? Oh. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that kind of ended some of his uh, trajectory. You know, at least at the the highest level there. Uh, but yeah, I, I raced all through high school. Uh, and toward the end of high school and college, I started picking up um, some other interests, as you do uh, extracurricular interests. And I was <laughs> yeah. feeling pretty burned out. Yeah, so uh, I left the sport behind. Uh, did a lot of lifting in college and and a lot of surfing. Uh, and then I came back to it during the pandemic, and I did an Ironman uh, in 2021. Uh, and it'll probably be my last Ironman, yeah. <laughs> first and last. Yeah. So, um, but it was it was definitely a. Uh, it was nice to return to the sport um in a in a competitive capacity, or at least competitive by my standard, my my lowered standards, right? Um,
1: so you so you've point. got this um novel coming out back on it's your your debut novel coming out in February next year if i'm if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong. um but tell us a bit about this, you know, it's a story about a triathlete, um but tell us, I guess the genesis for this idea is it based on your own experiences or is it just completely fictional Um, just tell us a bit about I guess yeah the genesis of it and then what the book's um, all about
3: yeah great I think that's a great question every to some extent all fiction is autobiographical because it comes from the author's imagination and experiences so even if they're not writing directly about themselves uh, generally you're going to find anecdotes and things I think that have been sort of percolated back from their subconscious stuff that they've run into in their lives and what they're interested in. So I think this book is a nice blend of that. And then a good thing about fiction is it gives you the freedom to make it more interesting than your own biography, which for my case would have been, you know, a lot less interesting of a story. (laughs) Uh, And I wanted to deal with some, with some bigger issues um, in it. So, so I broadened it out to fiction, which is the genre that I had generally been working in. And I wrote this uh, during, the, during the pandemic in 2020, I was uh, getting my master's in creative writing. And actually, the reason that I started running and biking again was I was working on this novel, and I wanted to be a little bit closer to the feeling of kind of that hangover of heavy training. Um, and so, so that was the, actually the impetus for me returning uh, to uh, more endurance sports. Um, and I'm glad that I did, because I don't think that you can write convincingly about that stuff uh, if you aren't uh, actively in sort of the haze of a heavy, you know, volume block. Uh, and so this, this book follows a couple of triathletes. Um, they're both young. Ezra is about 25 years old, and he's trying to get his pro card. Uh, and he gets coached. He sort of runs into, by chance, it seems... Uh, This recently disgraced uh, celebrity coach who has just had who has had sort of a stable of famous athletes. Um, This coach's name is Benji Newton. And uh, the compound that he ran has recently imploded. uh, And there was some kind of scandal and no one is publicly speaking about it. Uh, the athletes have kind of disappeared from the public eye and so everyone's speculating right on slow twitch there's all these threads trying to unpack what happened and sort of uh, spouting these conspiracy theories so this guy right after this happens uh, sort of comes out of hiding it seems like and shows up at Ezra's door after Ezra miraculously bonks out of the lead at this uh, Iron Man and so uh, he says basically, you know, I, I I want, I want to coach you. Uh, I'm going to move in with you. Uh, I'm going to live on your couch and I'm going to get you your pro card, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, a couple months into this uh, increasingly extreme training, another kid shows up, this 18 year old kid whose name is Casper. And he has sort of a shady past um, that isn't initially clear to Ezra, but he's, really, uh, a really great trainer, maybe not such such a great racer. And so he's pushing Ezra in these workouts and Ezra starts to think, you know, is Casper this carrot that Benji's holding out in front of me? Um, or is there something more sinister at play here and kind of what are Benji's motives? And so that's maybe the setup for a story that, uh, grows from there, but it basically follows their training camp leading up to, uh, in Ironman, and and uh they're hoping to get their pro cards and benji's methods become increasingly unorthodox and he's subjecting them to all these strange superstitions that are starting to blur the <laughs> line between you know eccentricity and, and uh maybe just insanity right uh yeah. and so that that that's where things start and, and obviously the story progresses from from there
0: well, you know, it's interesting when we think of sports novels, it, it's not a big market. You know, it's not, there's not many out there, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of sports biographies and so on. Um, and obviously, triathlon's not the most known sport. So, how do you, obviously, you want a broad market, you want to get as many people to buy this book as possible. So, how do you, what's the key to tell a storytelling around
3: a sport like triathlon that would actually reach a bigger audience? Yeah, I think that, I think the most important point of interest is to write a character that convincingly enough that you can empathize with them. I don't think that you need to like the character, but if you find them fascinating and more importantly, their decisions feel real and authentic to them, um, then you can pull almost anybody in. Um, And so I think a lot of it has to do with the portrayal of a consciousness with enough verisimilitude to convince your reader that, this is this feels like a real person's head that I'm living in and then from there you can talk about scene selection and what to put in and what to leave out how to always escalate the stakes scene to scene so Mm. that your reader always understands that there is a complex tension um, something is at risk in these pages and they want to read to find out you know how things progress Mm -hmm. Um, but I I would also say that this is this is a triathlon novel but so much more than that is going on here yeah Um, of course yeah there's there's this whole issue with these invasive species coming into uh this eroding barrier island and it deals with uh this community in southeastern north carolina so this is going on in the background kind of while they're at this training camp uh ezra's watching his hometown fall apart due to erosion which is a real issue Um, in a lot of the Southeast, Southeastern United States, um, and North Carolina, where I grew up on the coast. Um, And it's also a crime novel, you know, once they kind of start to investigate Benji, and some of that mystery starts to unravel. uh, There's an element of uh, there's a disappearance, and there's an unsolved murder. And so I think that uh, this book has a broad enough scope that it can hopefully uh, appeal to an audience outside of our admittedly maybe niche market, right?
1: Awesome. Well, uh, according to the, what we've got here, uh, release date is February 28th, 2023. Um, if people are going to want to get hold of this, we'll let them know once it is officially out. But um, where, where will it be available? Is it going to be sort of an e-format or, or is it, uh, you know, um, the good old paper version?
3: Oh, it's good old paper version. I'm a snob mm. about that. Yeah. So right now it's uh, Driftwood Press um, is the place to get it. That's my uh, publisher um, and it'll be available in bookstores uh, in the United States. Um, and then we'll be looking to expand to international bookstores uh, depending on how initial sales go. Um, but you can certainly order it through Driftwood's website to get a hard copy as well internationally. Um,
0: well done because you know obviously being a writer is a big you know your your ambition in your career um getting a book published is a pretty big achievement so well done because i know it's it's not an easy task
3: oh thank you i appreciate it yeah um it felt it felt uh probably as it okay i got it ready right after i did that iron man and so it seemed like two two uh big significant yeah, moments in my yeah. life sort of coinciding. So yeah, yeah, maybe it's comparable to doing a prep for a race like that and, and crossing the finish line. It kind of
0: is, I published a book recently myself and it mm-hmm. is just a process, isn't it? You know, and, and a lot of, sometimes for creative people, my book wasn't a, a novel, but for creative people, they don't necessarily have great systems around the work process, um, you know? And so obviously you've got pretty good structures that probably have come from your triathlon life um, that helped you in your book writing process.
3: Oh, I really think so. I have always treated riding like training, you know, it's the first thing I do when I get up and I devote a, you know, a certain amount of time, a, a preset block, uh, every morning to it. And then I often come back in the afternoon as you would, if you were a triathlete and you're hopping in the pool, you know, after mm. a long run and some food and a nap. And, uh, also, you know, maybe this sounds a little bit, uh, out there, but, the attention to diet and sleep, I think helped too. Just, yeah, of course. Focus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, being able to, I am really on top of my sleep and that makes a big difference in my productivity, um, with my writing. If I, if I can make sure that I, I'm sleeping enough, you know, the same way that you would get into bed early before a speed work session so yeah
1: nice so. work so team the uh novel's called bark on um it's going to be out uh, on driftwood press and let us know when it comes out and yeah, we'll everyone know author is mason Boyle. so thanks for your time mason and good luck once it comes out
3: great thanks guys It was great to talk to you
0: good work. you know one thing that was really interesting in the quarter interview um i love this idea of Look at the people above you and think if you want to be those people. Because mm. I remember where I went to, you know, like, you guys know that Les Mills is a big part of my life. And I've had a really awesome career with them. Um, but I went, and I was about, kind of just before I started the show, I went to America for like four months. And, and spent time traveling around America teaching fitness. Mm-hmm. And at this moment in my life, I would have given everything for that company. Mm. And I went away And it was probably the most miserable time in my life as an adult. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the work. The work was awesome. It was the people that were above me. Mm. And they are all miserable, unhappy, cynical people. Mm. And it was like, oh, is this what I will become? Mm. And luckily for me, at that moment, I realized, okay, well that's actually not what I want to do with my life. I actually want to create a more diverse life and have Mm. more things to do. And it's a really important thing to think about as you try to climb up a ladder in life, and maybe for younger people, it's a better thing to explore. But it's that... The people that are above me, are they the kind of person I want to develop myself toward? Mm. And if not, maybe this isn't the right path for you. And it's easy if, easier for Bevan and I because we're both self-employed and we've yeah. kind of
1: got a lot of control over our destiny. Our destiny. Mm. Um,
0: but yeah, I just
1: sometimes look like at people and the amount they're working, and I'm like, I work, I work a lot as well. Yeah. We both, both Bevan and I work, you know, and we work early hours, late hours, yeah. and we can just sort of make it work. But, but we do feel we
0: enjoy what we do. Yeah, but
1: if you're just working every hour of the day and you never get to see your family,
2: it's like, oh. Yeah, and and let's be honest, in our
0: sport, you know, people listen to this, some people listen to this, this, they'll identify with that because we're such an, often a real A-type personality Mm. and we think we've got to work hard and, you know, bam, bam, bang, but you're often going to think about what we neglected. But I just do think that, you know, if you are trying to develop yourself is, what am I trying to develop myself toward as a person? And, am I chasing the right things always a good question to ask, but yeah. the people above me do, is that the kind of person I want? And there was just, it's a really clear moment in my life mm. because I could have gone all in on these mills. And I've been very lucky because I've been able to have this career where I've kind of got to do the bit that I like mm. without having to go all in. But um, yeah, again, everyone who was above me and they would actually say to me, don't do this. <laughs> you know, like I mean, mm. Pete Manuel who's a lovely guy. He said, don't commit your life to this business, you know, mm. because you'll, you'll get screwed along the way. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, no that's not you know that was his experience of Les Mills, but and generally speaking, I do love Les Mills, but just a really interesting thing to think about um any other insights from those interviews John uh probably the
1: only other one was yeah when Gordo sort of said when you look your your markers are kind of when you were at your best, so he was at his best in his forties, yeah, and thinking that you can go straight back to that sort of level, and you just gotta be accepting of where you're at and set your goals around. Where you're at this particular time, and so that's the same for me. When I go into the races in the next few years, it's like I want to do the best race I can with whatever I've got on date, rather than what I had in the same I always think with 30s. you, one of your greatest strengths
0: is your ability to see where you are right now. Hmm. You know, like you're, you're never, you're always, you're like you're always quite factual in the way you describe your current moment, hmm. um, and I think that allows you to be wiser in how you move forward. But a lot of people, you know, say, "Are you good at something or are you bad?" And well, no, I'm just a four minute K runner. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you're not a good runner, you're bad, not a bad runner, you're just this is where you sit. Um, and you've always had a pretty good ability to mm. figure out where the line in the sand is.
1: So I've got to, I've got to figure that line, where that line is for Challenge road right next year. It'll be an interesting one. Was you well, really you've got six months, haven't you? Yeah. So, and, that's, and that's the thing. I'm looking forward to whether I race it, trying to go for sub nine, or whatever standard it's going to be. I'll be going in with a plan, and if I tick that off, I'll be happy. And I've got Everesting in two. Oh weeks, really? Two weeks I today. I forgot about that. Two weeks today. Yeah, how's, it, 20... how's it going? Uh, it'll be going. <laughs> and, uh, interestingly, when are you doing it? Because I'll come to a lap. Twenty seventh of December. Oh, so two weeks around. time. Oh no, I might be around. It'll either be the twenty seventh or twenty eighth. Twenty seventh is the plan, unless the weather's shit, and then it'll be the twenty eighth. Um, But I was out for a ride on Saturday morning early and I I was in the area where I'm going to be doing the Everest thing and I turned down to Mount Pleasant Road, which is the top of the climb, and there was a camper van parked up there and they Someone had like a was scotty brown sign okay. out there and there was a woman sitting outside and i thought i guarantee somebody's everesting out here yeah. and i went over and asked her and she's i said oh is somebody everesting she said, yep yep i said what time do you start uh she said oh, two o'clock in the morning jeez I thought, oh, that's good effort and she said yeah he's on uh, number six or seven i think at the moment i thought i started riding down the hill this was about seven thirty in the morning and i've been riding for an hour and a half and i thought can't be going that quickly if I've only done six and I got to the bottom and saw him biking up and going going, you know, not not express pace and somebody sent me a file from somebody who was ever sitting at the weekend okay, so it was and it was that person, person. Yep. and they, that moving time was 18 hours and Jeez. 58 minutes. That's moving time So, and I'd said to people, I reckon he would be out there for 24 hours and he probably was 24 wow. hour effort.
0: That's a big effort, isn't it? Big effort. How
1: long do you think it's going to take you? Uh, well, I think it'll be in the region of 12 and a half hours moving time, and so probably be 15 hours. Uh, so I've got one preparation ride this that, weekend. What's the rules around stopping? <laughs> oh, you don't have to stop. The r- main rules are you've got to go up and down the same hill. Yep. You so you can't do loops or anything like that. It's like literally up and down yep. the same hill. That's basically the main rule. And you've got to get, I think it's 8,800. But like, 8, you 3. can't stop for five hours. There I, must I be think, a limit on stopping. I'm not sure if the rule is such as you've got to do it within a day or not. Okay. But, um, but I think that's what most people sort of have. I'm not really, I'm not necessarily registering it with the yep. Everesting sort of thing. It's more just to do it. Once you've done it, you've done it. Yeah, so you, you know you've done it. You've done it. Okay, so this
0: week's uh, winger of the week. week. I'm going to number 12 because 12
1: Days to Christmas. 12 Days to Christmas. And that person has done a swim bike run. His name's Ben Watson. Did 17 hours and 13 oh, minutes of Oh, he's got a private training. account. Uh, he did 34 minutes of swimming, 12 hours and 46 minutes of cycling, 3 hours and 52 minutes of running he does have a private account but he's from Auckland so good work he potentially was doing uh, no he wouldn't have done Ironman at the weekend because he only just swam 34 minutes Uh, so good work
0: okay well done Ben Watson you are our
2: wanger
0: of the week okay we did get a question and answer through and it came through from Andrew Andrew mystery man Weston and he's just saying I felt like giving my feedback on Ironman's decision to split the 2023 world championships between Kona Uh, for the female and the venue to be advised for the men. In short, I like it. I read Andrew Missick's interview about the decision and like the things he said... With the bullet points to show what I liked. Love good bullet points. He said, uh, having a separate day for female and males worked this year. Uh, Having two days at Kona did not work. Uh, We need to keep trying new things, keeping what works and hanging on to things that don't work. Or letting go of things that uh, don't work. Uh, We saw how well the 2021 World Championships worked in St. George this year. So yes, it is isn't Kona. Kona will always have the history and mystique of our sport. Aren't we lucky to have such a mystique? But this will allow a sport to continue to grow. A thought suggestion, maybe the legacy slots will only go to when the race is in Kona. As I bet there is a the reason for ninety nine percent of legacy athletes, they wouldn't want to be going to some race outside of Kona.
1: You're so. not taking a legacy slot anywhere else, no. Are or are really no yeah, no. what if you don't get the choice. Sorry? Uh you get the choice when you get a legacy yeah, slot. Yeah. I okay. believe you can say so you can have it then. And if you don't, I think maybe you move down the pecking order, but Uh, Andrew Andrew Messick knows they're going to be getting an absolute initial slamming for this but hey it's not set in stone for the rest of our time, they're going to try some different things most of us us don't necessarily agree with the way that they're they're doing it Um, but let's try it, see what happens there's there's plenty of positives in there so let's focus on the positives um, rather than the negatives, see what comes out in the wash uh, in the next two years time and then uh, Evaluate and move on
0: from there. They do need to make an announcement on the men's race quickly. Well, they said they? January
1: So they've said when it's gonna oh, be okay, okay, so it's gonna be in January Okay, well, no the, the announcements going to be in January So we've got so I was time. sitting next
0: to you before doing the interviews mm-hmm. and yeah. I smell chlorine
1: So I know you've done a swim suite. So what's your swim set? What did we do this morning? It was a bit cruisier this morning because uh, a few of the athletes had raced and what do we do? We did a 500 warm-up 200 freestyle 25 back 25 breast 450s kick Then we the main set was a four hundred meter steady, three times one hundred moderately hard, and two times fifty fast twice through. Then we did four fifties kick. We did five hundred ascending, so that's starting fast and easing off a little bit each one hundred. Then four twenty fives underwater. Always get a little bit of resistance to the (laughs) underwater one. Uh, So four twenty fives underwater and then warm down. How how, far could you go underwater? Well, it's interesting week. you say that because 20, I can, I'm fine with 25 metres. Yep. But next week in the week after, or next few weeks, probably do a little swimming in down in a different pool, Waltham Pool, which is outdoor 33 and a third metre. Oh, okay. 33 and a third is going to be a push. So that's going to be, if you're listening and you come to my swim sessions, we're going to be giving that a crack. See <laughs> <laughs> so how we go. I, th- I think 33 and a third will be my limit. I've done 50 metres once or twice when we were younger. <laughs> uh, 50, that's What size regards. pool do you like to swim in the most? We don't have much of an option No, but here. if you did. Like, cause oh, I'd love got some it. 50. is the best. Yeah. Tell you what, we've got an absolute balls up in Christchurch. Oh, what's happened? The pool they're building in Christchurch. In, in town? Yeah, they've completely cocked What have they done? They've built it on a spring and uh, they've got a, ground, a groundwork, uh Oh, a water spring underneath. Yeah. The, it's, so what it's does the that mean? 20, tw- we're not getting our pool now until 2025. Oh, jeez. It's just about finished now And I've Oh bloody
2: hell How'd they cook that up Mate Someone Yeah <laughs> <get laughs> One job Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: Check the foundations Yeah That's one I know nothing about building But I know Check the grounds Especially that, that, in Christchurch that, 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 land, Yeah Anyhow how come I haven't heard about that? That's quite uh, bad news. Keep that pretty quiet. Uh, no one wants to yep. know. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that on the table. Was <laughs> it my job? Look yeah. over there. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's say thank you to our patrons Phil, the rich
1: uncle Scott. We've got
0: Adrian Projector Oldberry. And Martin Wally wait If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Go through the process. You get a gift. You get. To support the boys, that's the most important thing. Uh, for those who are patrons, we want to say a massive thank you to you. You're absolute bloody rock stars. Uh, if you want coaching, coachjohn.com, epiccamp.com for his epic camps. My podcast, I did an interview with an interesting kind of coach yesterday it was really interesting. And uh, you can check that out at BrianJamesOs.com. Other content, age group of the week, cool websites and other feedback. I am talk podcast at gmail.com. John, your
1: gos. Uh, yeah, I had to organise a race at the weekend. How'd it go? It was great. It was a nice weather which was made a made a change mm. from recent uh times and the race went well. Small field. Seems to be a bit of a bit of an issue at the moment, but the race itself was fantastic. Are you hearing that from other race directors as well? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, around the country. And yeah, now it's just all eyes on Christmas. Get ready for Everesting. See how that goes. Two weeks time today. Burn off the Christmas Day feed. Outside of that...
0: Do you go AC2 on Christmas Day?
1: We have gone, this year, we've gone for... Have you bought the, the package? We've gone for the My Food Bag uh, Christmas deluxe... Thing package oh, what does it cost a you bit different i'm not sure belinda was in charge of that oh. so that's what we've gone for this year and traditionally we have the old turkey yep just all the trimmings and stuff like that this year it's i don't even know if we've got a turkey in there i think we have so yeah do you do for my feedback no no we're too
0: no. tight <laughs> not too tight uh, i don't know it's actually not that expensive like it's really expensive because mm. we looked at we joe what we'll do 'Cause occasionally you'll give fifty percent off. Oh yeah. So okay we'll do that one. Yeah. Joe and me, we're like from the same school, man. We 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 know the deal. Tight it is. Yeah. But we, we did um what's the other one? Um HelloFresh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, HelloFresh. So we did HelloFresh. When it got the special came up. Yeah, well, we 100 would pay hundred bucks off. Yeah. Get you on get you on the so database. Yeah. But even then it works at about eight bucks a meal. But if you paid full price, we're working out it's like seventeen bucks per head per meal. Mm. Like that's a takeaway. Mm. And you're cooking it yourself. Like mm. where's the value? Mm. You know, so screw that. <laughs> you showed them. <laughs> screw them. next <laughs> week. They're a sponsor, right? Yeah. Oh, hello, Fresh. We love them because they do. Those
1: companies do sponsor a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, any evergos? Yeah. No. What's happening? What are the, the kids world? getting for Christmas? What are the kids getting for Christmas? Yeah. Or oh, they don't listen to the show. What are they getting? Oh, I've got Thomas some. And... Oh, know, Thomas has got a pair of bloody new shoes. You know oh, with the yeah. yeah. So he's got those. Felicity, she's much harder to buy for. Uh, Belinda's sort of mainly been in charge of that domain.
0: Does she not and have your things?
1: Sorry. Oh, she's much harder to buy for. She's, yeah. Much is she, harder. Is, she a, is like clothes? Like, is yeah. she a girly girl? Yeah. 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 yeah She'd be getting clothes. Fashion.
0: And fashion stuff. Yeah. yeah. Does she have posters on a wall? No.
1: Oh, really? No. Do you not allow posters I, on the wall? No, we, allow, <laughs> we do allow that.
0: When you were a kid, did you have posters on your wall? Oh, yeah. Who would you have? Oh, you had a bit of Wham, Duran Duran. <laughs> wham, Pam, I am a man. <laughs> yeah, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. so I think we're alone now. I had Michael Jackson. My mum was so funny. My mum's in, my mum's Real House proud. Yeah. So every poster had to be laminated. Right. <laughs> and we did blue tack. You yeah, oh. had to put pins in the wall. Yeah. And then you had like a hessian board where you could put all you could all your stuff on. Nice. Yeah, I remember I had this big Michael Jackson poster. Yeah. And I had a. I don't know why I had a, a big poster of a Porsche. I don't care about cars at all. Mm. I'm quite sure I had a Porsche, Porsche poster. Would, would you love to be able to go back and see your bedroom as it was as a kid? It would be pretty smelly,
1: I reckon. <laughs> pretty smelly. <laughs> I, had, I had a great room at our place. Why? Was, the second, when I was from high school onwards, it was like an external access. So you had to go oh. outside to get to it. Oh. It was under the house. It was a gigantic room. Parents didn't have a
0: clue what was going on down there. <laughs> uh, it was great. I yeah. cocked up because what happened with me... Is my sister went through a mopey period mm. and I had the best room. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why I originally had the best room, but I had the mm. best room. It was a three bed house. One room was a little bit smaller, parents' room, and then my room was kind of the second biggest room. And one day my sister was crying and stuff, and I said, I'll give you my room. Mm. And so that was stupid. Yeah. But then the, the cool thing was, my dad was a handyman, but he was a handyman that always took five years to do up a room. Mm-hmm. And so he started doing up my bedroom, pulled off all the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happened for like the next three years. So yeah. my parents let me draw on my walls. No, oh, no. Nice. So all my, my, my walls were just graffiti. All my nice. mates would come around, do graffiti yeah. and stuff. Eventually it got done up, but there was, yeah, I wish I'd taken photos of that because it yeah. would have been quite funny. Gosh. But, yeah. What's happening with your week, Bevan? Chombo, well, it's kind of my last week of work now. Mm-hmm. Next week's a funny week, isn't it? It's funny with Christmas being at the end. And on the weekend, yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably work Monday, Tuesday next week. Mm-hmm. And then um, have my first barbecue. Have you had a oh, barbecue yet? We I mean, barbecue all year round middle oh. of winter, I'm out there on the bloody barbecue. Oh, but like friends over for a barbie. Oh, no. no, no we, And we went to someone else's house. Um, do you love a barbie? Mm. What's your favourite thing in a barbie? Garlic mushrooms. There's a theme of garlic
1: in yeah, your Yeah, yeah. Don't come near me when I've had garlic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: Breathe all over you. <laughs> I've got <say, laughs> to say, you're showing the tight-ass side, yeah. sausages are ridiculously expensive now. Good sausages are. We've got four sausages. What do you reckon we paid? Four sausages from yep. the butcher. No, from good old whatever supermarket. S- and they were the value ones. Yeah. Seven bucks. Seven or eighty. Yeah, it oh, was pretty close. For pretty, well. <laughs> you sausages. Yeah. You know, you bangers. Yeah. Four five seven dollars for like two dollars a sausage. Yeah. Sausage is meant to be cheap meat. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't happy. But John, you would be happy because I like garlic sausages. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> so anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia yeah. kaha.